Whiskey and a Movie Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's John and it's Fred. How are you doing today, Fred? I'm good. I'm good yourself, buddy. Uh, you know, we're surviving in these crazy times that we're doing, so that's why we have the whiskey to comfort us. Yes, exactly. So, What are we drinking today, Fred? What are we drinking today? Uh, we're, we're drinking something out of Canada, our home country, Canadian Club Classic 12 Years. You know, I've, I've had Canadian Club before, but I never had this particular version of it. And I'm excited to try it out. I know you told me the scent is a little different than the flavor. Elaborate. It is. It is. is. So first scent you're going to have, it's you're going to smell alcohol for sure. Like rubbing alcohol? Yeah, pretty much. It's it's strong on the nose. You won't get a lot of things. Maybe some vanilla. It kind of smells like medicine almost. Yeah, I know what you mean by the the rubbing alcohol. So it's not per se. It's not inviting. It's not an inviting scent. No, it's not an inviting scent. Let's give a little cheers to this and see what this is all about. And you know what? It's really smooth. It's smooth. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely get that that sweetness, that creamy vanilla sweetness that you get from Canadian Club, like the normal one. But it's 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 smooth. It's not too harsh. It's on, very not harsh. Throat. It's not it's, what I was expecting. It's an easy sipper. Yeah. Yeah, but it also has it's the easy sipper, but it's not as fruity as something like the Glenlivet, which we had in our last episode. Yeah. This is, it's got a bit more zest to it, if oh, you know zest, what I mean. Like zest. It's a, it has a bit more kick to it. But I was going to say brown sugar, or like a, a sugar. Yeah, it's a bit bolder. Yeah, it's bolder. Yeah, without being like too intense, but it's got a bit more party. If you know what I mean. Yeah. It's a bit more adventurous. It's a bit more adventurous. And also you can tell by the color because compared to the Glen, uh, the Glen Livid we had last time, this is a darker whiskey, like yeah. a dark this caramel looks, This looks almost like maple syrup. Almost like maple syrup. Yeah, like a clear maple syrup, but still it's a, it's a darker brown. And you know we're, we know we're Canadian when we're like our reference point is fucking yeah. maple syrup. <laughs> we're Canadian as hell. When we're saying things like that. So this is our inaugural episode. This is episode, episode one. Episode one, man. This is like, the foundation. This is, this is where we're planting the flag. They're planting the flag and of a whiskey in a movie. Yeah, this is totally. pretty. This is pretty exciting. This is and now we're going to talk about pop culture. Yeah. And I guess the natural segue is to talk about this this little show that you may or may not have heard. It's called Loki. It's called Loki. Uh, I've heard of it. Because I've I heard watched of it. it all six episodes. <laughs> yeah. as you did. Yeah, I did yeah. too. What did you think about it? Okay, so we're jumping into the MCU. We're jumping um, into the Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah. with their. Th- third show on disney plus this year yeah um so i watch all three seasons uh, i mean all three shows i watch wanda visit wanda vision i watch uh, the falcon and the wooden soldier and i watch loki um loki is interesting because basically what they're telling you firsthand first episode is that whatever you know prior to this show i mean infinity stones thanos the avengers 
everything is relevant because yeah. we're above all of this. We're basically they're using infinity stones as paperweights. Yeah, in the they, first they episode, was, they use a, you do use a tesseract as paperweight and just throw it in the drawer. Or yeah, something. they don't they care don't about care. that kind of stuff. Yeah, no. Yeah, I like uh, I quite liked the first episode because yeah. by the time it was done, I was like, okay, what's the point of the show? And I liked that air of mystery that it had. I also really liked Owen Wilson, which I wasn't expecting to like as much as I did. But the chemistry between Owen Wilson's Mobius and Tom Hiddleston's Loki, I wish the show had more of it because it was kind of like Lethal Weapon, like yeah. the, the dynamic like between, a cop, a cop buddy, a buddy, like cop a buddy show, cop yeah. show. Like it was really good. It was infectious almost. Like you wanted to see more of it, and like Owen Wilson, like we all we all know Owen Wilson, and when he was cast in a Marvel show, I was like, oh. That's unexpected casting. But it's a nice pick. That's what's yeah. interesting is that it's so unexpected that it's fun. I mean, yeah. Because Owen Wilson is always fun to watch. He's always positive, optimistic, always like a smile on his face. Yeah. Even in the situations where he's put into the show. Yeah. Like, there's something about Owen Wilson that you just... It's like a comforting blanket. You're like, yeah, oh, it's, it's Owen he Wilson. Is, yeah. like, oh, it's, yeah. it's nice to see Owen Wilson. I feel like we haven't seen much of Owen Wilson in the last couple of years. It's true. So it's, it's true. nice it's to see him like, quiet. yeah, it's yeah. been a little quiet. So it's nice to see him like come into the Marvel universe, something as big as the MCU. And it's like, no, no, Owen Wilson's not forgotten. Owen Wilson's here in the yeah. MCU. And not only is he in the MCU, he's, he's awesome in the MCU. Like he's one of the best parts of this Loki show. Yeah, I know he is. And when you discover that, like the only thing he cares in life is a jet ski, he wants yeah. a jet ski. Like there were memes popping in on Facebook, like give the man a jet ski, and like just give this man Wilson's jet- face on the guy, like on a jet ski. Yeah, like so. <laughs> I I was really cool with that. Um, I feel like they kind of nerfed Loki, if you know what I mean. Like. Loki he doesn't he doesn't seem and he doesn't sound like Loki because yeah. first first two episodes you're like okay okay I can get like he's the Loki that we knew like maybe prior to the first Avengers film but after that he becomes more and more of a nice guy yeah. and like his intention are never like regarding himself there he never thinks about like his own priorities over others he's always like okay he wants peace he wants to discover who's behind all this but he's not he doesn't feel like as Machiavellian as you've yeah, seen before. Which is weird so because weird, a few yeah. days before was technically the first Avengers. And he killed Coulson a couple of days ago for all intents and purposes. Like mm-hmm. maybe like a week tops. But I feel like Disney and Marvel really wants to make Loki like a hero a character. character. A likable yeah. hero character. So they did that thing with the montage and they show his death at the hands of Thanos. Mm-hmm. Just to get him to be like, oh. Okay. I, I see the error of my way. I got to be a good guy now. Yeah. But by making Loki a, a better person, a good guy, they made him a little more less interesting. Like they, they kind of nerfed him. So when President Loki showed up in the fifth episode, I was like, "That's the Loki. That's the Loki know. I want. I want that Loki. I give me more yeah. of that guy because he's talking about glorious purpose. So I wanted Loki to be an antihero." Yeah. yeah same here same here and we we got that maybe like in the first two or three episodes but after that it disappeared entirely. i didn't like I mean, episode three episode when they were on lamentus yeah, yeah i didn't like it i felt like it this is a six episode run and i feel like episode three felt kind of fillery Fillery, yeah, it didn't happen much. They were talking on the train. There were there's a lot of walking. They didn't discover much. Yeah. They just had need to ride. And I at felt a certain place. I felt the same yeah. for episode five. I thought you can take the concept of episode five and cut it in half. 
You can say what you want to say within half an hour, not one hour. But episode five, I did like. I like the the exploration of the other Lokis and the Richard Richard E. Grant character, Richard e. Grant was like awesome. the older Loki. And basically, I mean, I hope I, do, I didn't mister misunderstand it. But what he was saying is that basically he's the Loki from the normal original timeline where he actually tried to kill Thanos, but he yeah. hid he had between a, like behind a rock or something. Well, he was like an inanimate object or something, if I'm not mistaken. So they're trying to tell us that basically what we saw in Infinity War is that Loki actually didn't die. Yeah, exactly. He, he survived the he Thanos survived, yeah. by basically playing dead. Yeah, he played dead and then he just noticed that he didn't have anything to live for and just like explored the galaxy yeah. and he came back. And, and Richard E. Grant sad. is yeah. a welcome addition to anything. Yeah, like, no, You can put Richard E. Grant in literally anything and it's it's already a better experience because of him. But I feel like we should have had more of him because of that because yeah. Richard E. Grant is so good. But yeah, the fifth episode was not my favorite. I think my favorite was episode four. Mm, yeah. I quite liked episode four when at the very end they pruned Owen Wilson, they pruned Loki, and we didn't quite know what that meant at the time. And we're like, oh man, did the show just kill Owen Wilson? And then they pruned Loki, and they're like, okay, I don't think they've killed Loki because the show is called Loki, but mm-hmm. it was a distinct possibility because the show deals with this concept of variance. Like maybe yeah. Sylvie would have become the main character of the show. It would have been theoretically possible because she's a Loki. Mm-hmm. And. That would have been ballsy as fuck. Yeah. No, I guess you. I think my f- my the first episodes and the fourth episode were my favorite as well. Yeah. All things considered, Loki was okay. Uh, I think yeah. there's a lot of filler for not too much. I mean, this show is like six episodes long. And at the end of the day, nothing really happened. I feel like it was a two-hour movie stretched yeah. into a six-hour six show. Hour show, yeah. Purely basically. for the sake of setting up the next phase of MCU. Like, yeah. will it be the only for phase four? I don't know. But the show's sole purpose was to set up the He Who Remains, a.k.a. Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. And did you watch, by chance, Jeremy John's review? No. Jeremy John said that the final episode was akin to Neo talking with the architect. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. It's the same thing. He's like, all you, I've, I've orchestrated everything you live through, basically. Yeah. Basically, he said, like, the architect was, like, the philosophical character, whereas He Who Remains, it was written for the millennial generation mm. to be a little more wacky and straight to the point. But it's true. Most of that episode was Loki sitting down while... He who remains exposits his plan. And he talked, yeah, basically. Yeah. That's what and that was what was revealed is like Loki had no agency over. I feel like if you were to rewatch Loki season one, it might be a little frustrating because Loki, while he does have character development, he doesn't have any agency over his no. story. He ends up where he ends up because He Who Remains told him or pre ordained that he should be there but nobody has agency in that show is what that's what's fucked up is that everything every timeline is like preconceived they know everything that is supposed to go according to plan yeah everything that goes not according to plan is like okay they're considering variants yeah and they gotta prune that and get it back into order so that's what's a little awkward in this show is that everything that you considered important prior to to loki Everything in the Avengers show and the, I mean, sorry, the Avengers movies, the Avengers, I mean, the MCU movies, everything you saw prior to this doesn't mean shit because at the end of the day, 
everything is according to what he who remains controls. Yeah. So, so, I mean, if it goes outside the timeline, you'll know about it. But everything that happens is in like considered in timeline. Yeah. So, yeah. so while I thought that Loki was good but not great the consequences of the show are at least interesting and yeah. i gotta say i was excited before but now really excited for the like, multiverse no, of madness yeah the multiverse yeah. of madness like <laughs> doctor strange and the multiverse man i didn't i thought doctor strange one was okay fine, fine yeah. yeah but the concept of this movie along with the dual combo of sam raimi danny elton doing the music and the promise of this being more of a horror movie considering sam raimi did evil dead I'm there. Yeah. I'm so there. It sounds like uh, Kevin Feige is letting the directors like off the chain. And he's like, directors, do what you want to do. I think it's a good call. I think, I think it's a great call. I think they discovered this since Take a White uh, TT like directed like. I would say even. Uh, for Ragnarok, and it was like, okay. I like, would say James Gunn with Guardians. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, because yeah, James Gunn came in and he was like, I'm going to take not even like the C team, I'm going to take like the G team. Like the Guardians. No one's heard about the Guardians except for like the diehard super nerds of the 1970s. And I'm going to make them cool and popular by adding that like energy that was yeah, needed. Yeah. And I feel like if you were to play Guardians of the Galaxy by the book, it wouldn't have been as popular as it was. But James Gunn was... Sure, it was PG-13. Like James Gunn is known for being like AR-rated because of like excessive language, James Gunn-isms, and excessive violence. But he essentially turned that into like a PG-13 Marvel movie, and it worked. It did. And I feel like that's, for me, I think, that's when Kevin Feige and the good folks at Marvel were like, okay, maybe we should s- start letting the directors do what they want to do a bit more. And I feel like from Phase 2, they started experimenting with that a bit more. And by the time you got to Phase 3, it was like, we're getting some crazy shit now. Like, as you said, like Ragnarok is... Ragnarok's wild, and apparently... Ragnarok is wild. And apparently well. Love and Thunder, Thor 4, is going to make Ragnarok seem tame. And that's, quite, and that's coming from Taika Waititi himself. Yeah. Like, he's going to... He's promising... I think he says something along the lines of, like, the things that happen in this movie shouldn't happen on film. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Which... Okay, I like Thor Ragnarok, but I don't love Thor Ragnarok because I find most of the humor doesn't land for me. Well, it's basic Marvel humor, I guess, but... But most of the movie's humor was improvised. Yeah. yeah. And I find that it feels a lot like a skit sometimes. Yeah, it's just, like, it's a little too much. Like, I think... I'm thinking about Jeff Goldblum's character, just like it was just, considering yeah, people it's, with his It's just Jeff, Jeff Goldblum being Jeff yeah. Goldblum, like <laughs> the Goldblum unleashed. Yeah, exactly. No, I get, uh, I got, uh, I get, I get it. I know what you mean. Um, but yeah, it's I, again. I don't know where exactly the the MCU is gonna go because I have a feeling that everything I knew is now gone so yeah. they're talking to another generation that's not even ours they're they're talking to a younger generation with new heroes with brand new movies with people we haven't heard of i mean we're mm-hmm. talking about the eternals shang chi um even spider-man in some way i mean the, the tom holland spider-man i'm i have a i have a hard time getting behind because for me even though I love like the two first movies, he's not my Spider. Toby Maguire's my Spider-Man. Toby Maguire's my Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. 
which is weird. Garfield missed it in in some regards, but I think Tobey Maguire is a great Spider Man, but he's not per se the best Peter Parker. I think Andrew Garfield was a better Peter Parker than he was a Spider Man, and Tom Holland kind of straddles the line between the The two two, of them without per se excelling a hundred percent. He kind of like encompasses the both, but never like overachieves at doing both. Which is interesting to hear that the rumors are that both Garfield and Maguire will be in the next Spider-Man movie. The multiverse because of, of the multiverse of madness, because everything that happens in the Loki same thing in DC, man. They're doing the same thing. I mean, the the fucking multiverse is everywhere. It's yeah, like they're multiverse is, Mag, yeah. Michael Keaton as Batman in the Flash movie. It's, yeah, even it's um, all over the place. Pattinson's Batman doesn't take place within the the DC EU, like. The, the Ben Affleck Batman yeah, universe yeah. the Robin Pattinson he's on like Earth 2 or something he's not part of the DCEU he's on a different Earth probably just the same as um, Joker uh, Joker Hawking yeah. Phoenix's Joker which I really enjoyed uh, oh we can talk about Joker as well yeah. um, but I, okay. I like no no I no, I mean I did enjoy it I mean I think that Joaquin Phoenix performance was out of this world it was it was amazing it yeah. was great as a movie, I thought that uh, it in it was. I wouldn't say it copied a lot of things that came before. You mean, but it comes a lot taxi of driver taxi driver and, and king of comedy. That too, Street. yeah. It's, it it had a lot of heavy. Yeah, there's a lot of Martin's like Christmas. wink, winking on Michael My, Martin Scorsese's work. I don't think it's work. winking. It's a lot of borrowing. <laughs> a lot of borrowing from yeah. Martin Scorsese's work, and it's okay. It's fine. I just think that in considering where we're going it it it's it doesn't mesh well with the actual timeline of batman and again this is supposed to, to happen what in 1980 or something, something like that yeah yeah and looking at like what joaquin phoenix looks like now i'm like no he couldn't be the joker in the 20 there's so many there's so many things with, old, there's so many things with that movie that you can look into though like yeah a lot of people are say that he's actually not the Joker, but he's actually the inspiration, the inspiration for, the for the real Joker. There's yeah, also possibly. theories that everything that you see in the movie actually doesn't happen because he's psychologically damaged and he's just invented the whole thing. Yeah. There's a shot early on in the movie where he's looking into the mirror and the way the fluorescent lights and the shadows are portrayed in the mirror, it actually makes the Batman cow. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, they should totally look that up. <laughs> I need because, to see the movie again. So it's sort of like he's seeing his nemesis in the mirror before his nemesis even is a thing because he's a kid at this point. Yeah. So there's a lot of interesting symmetry. Um, the clocks are all at the same time in that movie as well. Really? Yeah, I didn't which that. suggests that is this everything happening actually happening? There's, there's a lot up in the air, which actually lends a lot of credence to that movie. And like, mm. There's a lot to analyze with that movie, which... I think it's better the more you think about it. When it first came out, I was like, oh man, this is the movie of the year. But the movie, the more I think about movies, I think for that year, 1917 was should have been my movie of the year. Yeah. That was a good movie. Nine, nine, was good. That was a fantastic yeah, movie. That was, a fantastic movie. that was one of those movies I watched it. And, okay, you know when they're in the trenches at the beginning of the movie? Mm-hmm. And then they leave the trench for the first time, and they're yeah. like, okay, you're going on a mission. The anxiety I felt within the first 10 seconds was palpable. I was holding on to the armrests of the cinema because of the, the magic of the one shot. I was like, oh no, there could be a sniper anywhere. 
I don't feel safe anymore because I was the third soldier in that little squad. And it was unfucking believable. Yeah. I haven't watched 1917 since I saw it in theaters, oh, but I, I like the experience. Oh, I mean, the, the one takes, it's, it's amazing. The one takes, and yeah. uh, I mean, like the, the yeah, you feel the anxiety of the stress of the character because you're always following him. I mean, the cinem the cinematography of 1917 is is something. Yeah, Brad, like, Roger Deakins finally got his Oscar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Finally. Also, just wanted to interject: the more I'm drinking this, yeah, sure. club, drinking, yeah. the sweeter it feels like it's getting to me. I don't know about you, getting but... Getting a little refill. getting a, a top tiny up. bit. Just don't forget to drink responsibly, boys and I, girls. Uh, yeah, basically, thank you. Yeah. For but yeah, bit. I feel like it's getting a little sweeter to me the more I'm drinking it. And which is something I'm finding very yeah. interesting. Like, it's, usually I would find something to become a little more bitter the more I drink it, but it almost has this sugary quality to it. But a brown sugary. But a brown, brown sugar quality. Sugar. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's interesting, and I'm like... I didn't have that sensation at first, but now I'm like, ah, this it's is this is something to coming out a little it's bit. It's what's fun about Canadian whiskeys is that they have those like mapley brown sugary qualities to yeah. to them. So I mean, it's not just sugar. It's like when you taste them, it's like, oh, okay, there's like an actual sugar that I know. It's yeah. something that I enjoy like during like desserts, family desserts. Or like like a maple treat or something. Yeah. So no, it reflects. Usually, what happens with my family? We drink a lot of wine. You do? Yeah, oh. that's something that I do with dinner. Like I go see my family on Sundays, mm. and usually like a red wine with uh, with dinner. And I feel like I've become like a wine snob over the past like ten years or so. Oh, I used to hate look wine. At you. I know, but <laughs> you snob. Now I'm like, okay, I need a good like, red wine <laughs> with my dinner. Depending on or like a white wine, depending on what I'm having, I'm like no, I'm very conscious of what I'm having. I like a good red wine as well, but after I think after like supper after dinner, I like a little like just a little single malt sometimes. But no, just, this just is out a, of curiosity, what is your favorite Scotch whiskey? Oh, I know it's a loaded question. Yeah, just but same, it right out the you asked me like the same question regarding movies the last time yeah. we spoke about like what was your favorite movie? Like if and you had to just pick one, like, if you had to, if you had a gift certificate right now and you were told you had to buy your favorite, oh. what would be the thing that you had to buy? Knee jerk reaction. I I need just like my liquor and then yeah. I know what's, what's your knee jerk reaction like what would fred order right away i wouldn't be drunk as hell but i would take a wild turkey 101 oh man <laughs> why would you take that um again it's a bourbon i'm a bourbon guy i know it's not your case um i i enjoy i think corn a much more than just like the plain grains that they take for scotch. I like the sweetness of corn. Um, 101 is, wild turkey, again, that what they do is outstanding. I mean, they're a family business. They've done the same recipe for, I don't know how long. And they're able to mix like the harshness like of a hundred, above a hundred proof whiskey with something that's truly natural out of kentucky like a natural sweetness it's a nice little combination so i don't know i tried like wild turkey 101 not so long ago and you can also mix it like anywhere if you want to make like some good old fashions there uh, i mean there's a nice little bourbon sweetness to it if you want to take it with old-fashioned if you want to have it neat or on the rocks it's good as well do you have a um, preference, knee or on the rocks? 
it depends how drunk you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> but if you just want to have a nice sipping on the rocks, it's perfect. Yeah, I always it, prefer my neat. Yeah. I, I rarely take things on the rocks. All whiskeys considered. All whiskey. Well, depending on the proof of something, yeah. if the the higher that's one hundred one. That's one hundred one. So pretty. The higher it <laughs> is in proof and or in age, mm-hmm. I might add like a drop of water mm-hmm. just to loosen the flavors a little bit. But I won't really add ice. I'll, I'll add whiskey stones if I need to. But actual ice, I tend to avoid. I always take things neat. Good learning. Thank Good. you. What about you? What would be your whiskey? My like whiskey. If you were on an island yeah. and you had one thing to drink, what it what would it be? John Powers Gold Label. Ooh. You want me to elaborate? Yeah, please. Okay, so John please Powers do. Gold Label. My my buddy Chris told me about this, and Chris is going to get a shout out right now. He introduced me to this at a Irish pub, and I was like, okay, I'll try it out. And it was delicious. It was amazing. And I thought this was going to be like an $80 bottle. This is like $40 bottle. Didn't you find it at ACQ? Sometimes. 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 Yeah, I didn't find so it. So it's an Irish whiskey, and it's one of the smoothest drinks I've ever tasted. But it doesn't have, like, it's a, it's a gold label without having the price tag of a gold label mm. and i remember i went to ireland to northern ireland to be specific to belfast to visit my family there and th- them thinking i was this like north american boy they have like cores light ready for me and i'm there like no man i want guinness <laughs> and so i'm talking about like scotch and whiskey with them and i'm like yeah i've gotten into drinking powers and my grandfather goes you like powers and I'm like, yeah, you like Paris? I'm like, yeah, Paris. I'm like, yeah, like I really. Yeah, and he, go, he goes into the back. He's like, I've got you a bottle of Paris right here. You're gonna take this home. You're gonna have your bottle of Paris. And I still have that bottle at home. I haven't opened it yet because it was from my grandfather. But he was so happy that I like Paris because that was his drink. And I didn't know that was his drink. And he was he was so happy that I yeah. liked John Powers. And. I, it makes me happy. I saw every time I have the powers. I think of my grandfather, and that's been like, especially considering I didn't get to know my grandfather too well. Yeah. We live here in Canada. My grandfather lived in Belfast, yeah. and I only got to meet him a couple of times. So it's this nice little like memento to my grandfather, and like his his name is my middle name. There's this it's sort of like this torch carrying thing. So it's a nice little thing. I, I like it. You nailed the Irish accent, oh, by thank the way. You I, I wish I could do it. I think I can only master like the the Scottish accents because I watch. Well, that's just spotting. That, that's just like a generic times. Irish accent. Like if you're when you're thinking about Irish accents and British accents in general, you have to worry about like the regions as well. So oh. that wasn't per se a Belfast accent, but it's oh. the closest I can do to like a plain old, perhaps like Dublin accent, but. A Belfast accent is kind of like this weird mix of an Irish accent and like a Liverpool accent. Yeah. But then if you're going to do like a Scottish accent, you have to sort of think of groundskeeper Willie. Like I know that that's like the worst example, but if you're trying to like imitate it, uh, I don't even want to try to do it on recording because I'm probably going to botch it. With the <laughs> no, please do, please do. Oh, ahead. you're going to have to try to do it. What do you got to make sure you do a groundskeeper Willie thing when you're doing your Scottish accent? Oh yeah, that was good, man. That was Thank good. you. Uh, I wish I could. I mean, I'm French Canadian. Maybe I have like the the French Acadian uh, version of this. But I mean, I watch transpotting a lot, a lot, of, uh, many times, and I tried impersonating the Scottish accents. Maybe I'm not like. But I've done it on air, and people are gonna laugh at my accent, probably. Well, but yeah, now you, now you gotta do yours. Yeah, but you'll nail mine. It's uh, how did she say it in the movies? Like. Um, 
<laughs> I'll get the pressure's I on get, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get to get to know the inner you. <laughs> okay, that's not Indian. <laughs> the inner you. That was monks. No, that was, that was more like Apu. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, no. Doing accents, especially when you've had a couple of drinks, is not per se easy to do. What's wrong, boy? What's wrong, boy? Can cut cut your tongue? <laughs> I had to watch Train Spotting when I was in film studies class. The first one, right? The first yeah. one, specifically the baby scene. Mm. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Heart that, scene. That is how I started with Train Spotting. And yeah. that kind of fucked me up. Yeah, yeah. It's a harsh movie to watch. I mean, I watched it like a few years back. And I mean, I was like mature and like I was, I, I watched hard stuff before, but. Yeah, this scene you don't you know you're not prepared. It's not the enough. best introduction to it's, the movie. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. pretty it's pretty it's intense. Pretty intense. But the music choices are awesome. This Danny Boyle style, Danny Boyle, the, the Boyle, the Danny Boyle. Boyle's direction, mm-hmm. it's awesome. But you know what? I'll say something controversial. I prefer the second film. T two. T two is better than T one. Interesting. You don't hear that opinion too often. Yeah, yeah. but it's I don't know. Why? I mean, like, tell me why you like it better. Okay. The relationship between the characters is mapped out better. Uh, because, again, the fact that... Well, again, spoilers alert. If you Yeah, of course. Seen, anything we talk about yeah. on the show is spoiler heavy. Like. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Transpotting 1, Transpotting 2, uh, Ewan McGregor's character comes back to Scotland to meet his friends. And it's been a long time. And I like the, the way the, like, they reintroduce the relationship. Because, again... Ewan McGregor's character hasn't been in Scotland for 20 years. He meets back his friends again. They, I mean, they're angry at him at first. They try to reconcile. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. They They walk in the country. They do drugs together. I mean, I don't know. The fact that they were more mature is like they're more complete characters. Their arc is already well defined. At first, in the first one, they're just junkies. You don't really care about them if they fall, if they go forward, if they're if they succeed, if they do not succeed. You don't really care because they all share equal amount of screen time. In the second one, it's it's a little different because it they're more focused on Ian McGregor's character, but also they they really show you they really spend a lot more time with his like his close friends. And how they grew up and how that like they're around 50 or like late 40s at that point how like maturity and like being a father like affected him affecting like each of the character basically and i don't know it it they're they're more interesting as father figures as just like wild like young junkies on the run and the relationship like with that maturity is much more interesting and they have something to lose and the first one they didn't have that much things to lose i mean they just like they went wild and then nothing really happens i mean their their family's angry at them or they they it's almost like spoiler alert, we, they lost a, they lose a baby but i mean i don't know there's yeah. something more complete and more something we can relate to is like i don't know yeah. mature boys to the yeah, second one like the first one all their endeavors up until the point with the baby like it almost feels like oh, here we go again yeah whereas in the second one it's like there's something more relatable to yeah area. and there's some sort of closure in the first one there's not a big closure i mean 
Ewan McGregor runs off with the money, they're all pissed. Okay, fine. But the second one is just like, okay, no, they're they're adults, but they need to reconcile with their younger selves. They made mistakes. Okay, what are they gonna do with said mistakes? And I don't know, like, I I do relate it to their the rela- reality a little more than the first one. Anyway, that's my opinion. But a, I don't know what there's you a, think. Well, I was gonna completely segue from your once uh, your uh, your topic right there from Trainspotting because there's an actor in Trainspotting I can't remember his name if it's not Robert Carlyle's character which one uh, it's exactly I can't remember it's been a while since I've seen it the but, blonde guy or the other one that's a little like I think he, that guy okay which, uh, Spud which, who's played Spud yeah yeah um, which uh, he he's was, Scottish I can't remember yeah exactly his he's name. Scottish no. he was in Snatch. Which made me think of Snatch, which made me think of Guy Ritchie, which made me think of Wrath of Man. Yeah. So that's my segue. That's how my mind works. I liked Wrath of Man. We saw it. It was the first, like, for the audience and for the listeners listening right now, it was the first movie that Sean and I saw in theaters in 2021. It was yeah. Wrath of Man with Jason Statham, uh, Guy Ritchie's li- li- latest film. Yeah. Really good movie. Pretty awesome. Really awesome movie. Really different from what he made before because I always saw Guy Ritchie as like I wouldn't say like a, a comedic like director or comedian director because there's a lot of humor in his gangster films. Yeah, this one was serious. This was fuck. super serious. Super serious. I mean, I, I've never seen like a more serious and se- like a uh, violent film from uh, from Guy, Guy Ritchie. Ritchie. Yeah. yeah, it was almost disturbing. Almost. Like, yeah. Like. I felt like I needed a shower when it was done. That's the best way to describe it. I felt kind to of dirty. scrub away all the violence. Yeah, from it, felt, you. it felt dirty, especially <laughs> one of the one of the chapters is like a flashback chapter, and you you get to learn a lot more about Jason Statham's character, like who he is and like his objective. Yeah, and you're like, holy shit! Like this guy means business. He does. It's not just like yeah. generic action movie. Like, oh, he's going on a revenge for you. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Like. Not only like who this character is, he's like, he's not just like a random somebody. He, he's a somebody, somebody. And this somebody, somebody like can do some shit in yeah. terms of like his criminal experience. I don't want to spoil it too much because mm-hmm. I know it's now like on streaming and you can like rent you it go on buy iTunes, it Blu-ray you can as buy well, which Blu-rays, is whatnot. really fast. Yeah, I feel like we ahead. just yeah, saw we this talked about it before. I feel like we ahead. just saw yeah. this movie like what two or three months ago. Okay, so we're at the man. It's out on Blu-ray now. I feel like we just saw this. Quiet Place 2 is available on streaming here in Canada already. I saw that movie like, what, a month and a half ago? Mm-hmm. A month and a half, two months ago. I feel like the theatrical windows are shrinking versus when these movies are available on physical and or streaming now. It's nuts. It used to be like at least three months cinema. Then you have to like wait a bit. And then like it would come out like four months after a theatrical release yeah. date onto physical media. I feel like this is like two and a half months now. It's an effect of COVID, man. I think. I mean, the thing that people are watching on streaming and they're willing to pay the access premium price yeah, for like it. Disney in Disney Plus, where yeah. you can watch Black Widow, you can watch Cruella. The, I think it's great for families, perhaps. Like they're gonna stay at home. Yeah, because it's worth you guys. Yeah. yeah, you got two kids. Uh, you're with your partner. You're gonna split what thirty the twenty five to thirty five dollars on the premier access. Yes. And that's way better than spending four movie tickets. Plus, if you're, uh, it Getting depends snacks. if you're actually snacks yeah. and whatnot. So and parking or. But if you're like, living on your own or just with a partner, it might not be as financially no. beneficial to go do that. 
So I can see the benefit of it, but I hope it doesn't become like the thing. I want to go to the movie. It's like with physical media. I love physical media. I know. I, I, I want physical media to stay around, and it bums me out that like shows like The Mandalorian, I can't buy it on Blu-ray. I want to own yeah, it on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah, I feel you on this. Yeah. I, I, I mean, everything Star Wars, I want to own it on on Blu-ray. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah. it's it's true. It's weird the time frame. I mean, like Wrath of Man. I mean, I, I own it on digital HD because I bought it on iTunes, and it, it wasn't so long ago we saw yeah. it in theaters together. I mean, it's we're, we're I'm watching it, and I'm just like, I saw this yeah, movie. We're July saw. right now. We saw it in what May. Um, yeah 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 it was me it was yeah. may when we saw that and then if that's two months yeah two that's months and some change yeah and it's and already on physical media and it's just it blows my mind that things are coming out so quickly back in the day like i mean like back in the 80s and 90s you would have to wait a year for something to go onto vhs yeah for all you youngins listen well yeah but even for us i mean when we're we're in our i don't know like in in primary school when we watched like the first star wars movie it i was remember like eight to twelve months yeah pretty much i mean i remember i think revenge of the sith like was uh episode three of star wars was in theaters in may yeah came out in november and yeah. no and blue and, and dvd at that time blu-ray didn't exist it's, it's crazy. Blu-ray, I think Blu-ray was just starting around like 05, 06, wasn't it? Yeah, 06. Yeah, but uh, it was like the DVD, uh, not the DVD, the Ultra DVD. You had HD DVD. HD DVD, <laughs> that's what it was called. And then uh, the Blu-ray. Wild back, yeah. Well, obviously one of those won and one of those didn't, but it was wild that both of those were competing at the same time. It's true, yeah. Yeah, PlayStation Jesus. had the Blu-ray and Xbox had the HD DVD. The HD DVD, yeah. And Xbox 360. Yeah, and you would go to HMV. And you had two sections. And you're like, where do I buy my movie? Fuck, we're old, man. We're yeah, really, we are. We're getting older. <laughs> and I think one of the things that helped Blu-ray was the fact that the PlayStation 3 had the Blu-ray built yeah. into it. Whereas the Xbox, you had to buy a separate expansion for the HD DVD to work with your 360. And I think that was a huge factor into yeah. the fact that Blu-ray won the war. Yeah. And even though Blu-rays won the war... I still buy a good chunk of my movies on DVD. Uh, depends on the movie. Yeah, depends, depends on, on the, the movie. movie. I mean, if it's a movie that I don't care that much about, like, the quality of the special effects, I'll buy it on DVD. Yeah. But it's it's been a while since I bought a DVD. It's all on Blu-ray. For me, it honestly depends. HD. Like, it depends on the movie. The, like, like, a, like a Star Wars movie, I'll buy that on DVD. Like, no problem. But, like, like Mission Impossible, I have those on DVD. For example, uh, man, you should buy your own Blu-ray. <laughs> I'm sorry, much better quality. <laughs> it is, but like, it's not enough for me to be like, oh, I must spend the extra money. Like, yeah, yeah. Like it's like I have a nice 4K TV, and like I know it's not being played in 4K, but it still looks good enough to me that I'm not like upset or anything like that. Yeah, I'm not this crazy like oh it must be in 4k all the time like there are some things i'm like oh that, that, that does look better but especially like older movies I'm like i don't really care if it's 4k or 1080p or whatever i'm like as long as the movie's good like i don't really care about yeah. picture quality yeah you have a point there but i don't know i mean i'm i'm craving since i have like that me too like this 65 inch 4k tv bragging i knew uh, i'm allowed to please yeah, let to. me leave me that pleasure but i want a 
big ass TV with a like astounding quality of my image. So I mean, right now, I mean, it's been a while since I I bought a DVD, but yeah, I, I do like buying that material, like you. I mean, I can't <laughs> like buying something digital HD that's recorded or like saved on your TV. It's not the same it's thing not the as same. having the material in your. Yeah, it's the same as like watching something on streaming. Like, there's always yeah. something that compromises. Like I, I just talked about, like image it's quality. not as real. I don't it's know. Not it's not as real. There's it's, always something, and then you have weird. to worry about yeah. your internet flaking out if that happens or some spotty connections that will bring your video quality down from whatever P or K you have down to the next level. And you're like, oh, I've just went from 1080 to 720 or it went from 720 to 480. Yeah. There's there's always something. And then it, it takes you out of the experience where if you're to watch it on a physical platform, like you're not going to have that worry at all. It's just like it is what it is. It's true. It's true. That being said, I mean, both of us were we're weirdos. We like movies that much that we buy Blu-rays still. Yeah. And if you're still not blind buying Blu-rays, you're streaming everything. I mean, it's okay, it's cool. But I know there's a lot of retailers like still alive that count on you to buy Blu-rays. So yeah. if you have a like a really you have a movie that you cherish a lot and you know that the visual quality will be astounding. Um Go for it. Buy it on Blu-ray. Okay. Like, and don't buy it from like Amazon either. Go yeah. to like your local. And don't buy it from Walmart. Go Sunrise to like, Records at Galerie d'Anjou for one example. If you're living in Montreal, that's an idea I can drop in. Yeah. Of, well, it, there's a Sunrise so. Records over in... Uh, well, I live in the West Island. Yeah. So there's a Sunrise Records over there as well. And it's it's going to feel more special. Guys. Yeah, something, I mean, there's something it, gratifying about if putting like, a disc into the player and pressing the play button. It's it's not it's not as it's not as it's special, and you won't have that feeling if you just stream it. Like yeah, that's why I really that's why I really want the the Snyder cut on Blu-ray. Like I can watch yeah. it on streaming streaming like no problem. Like it's there. I can just press play, load it up, and boom. We got the Snyder Cut, but I yeah. I want it on Blu-ray. I wanted to have it on my shelf. Yeah, may, I'll see. Maybe for the, the Snyder Cut. But for me, I mean, people listening, um, James Bond. No oh, Time to Die when it's coming out okay, in so October. So when Friends this huge, is Friends <laughs> huge about in Blu-ray, I want it in Blu-ray. So That's Fred, for sure. Fred, Fred's a huge Bond fan, just I for am. the record. Yeah, like, I, I think Fred lives at the altar of James Bond. Uh, well, it depends. Yes. We'll have some friends around as guests eventually, but we vet like, our yeah. friends Alex and John. They like yeah. uh, James Bond as well. But yes, I am a so James Bond fan. So who's the best fan. Bond? Oh, that's a hard <laughs> question. Uh, all right, maybe we can like discuss James Bond oh, of course a while we before James we close Bond. the show. Uh, yes, I am a big James Bond fan. Uh, it's one of the first VHSs that I watched with my dad when I was in third grade. It was Goldeneye um, with Pierce Brosnan uh, and that was um, produced in 1995. Um, the best James Bond for me. Well... Skyfall is my favorite Bond movie right now. So I actually just watched could... that the other day. <laughs> but it, yeah, it was yeah, a long, yeah, long time right. since you watched it. A couple or... of years, yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. You liked it, of course. Of course it's it's did. in my top five, but it's not Roger my favorite. Deacons. The, the Deacons, yeah, the, yeah. Was <laughs> director of photography for that yeah. movie. Um, so yeah, I think I would say like personally biased. I would say Pierce Brosnan because he's my James Bond. I grew up with him. He's he's when I think of James Bond in my mind, he's the first actor to pop in. But now that I'm mature enough, I watch all the movies. I develop like a conscience and an opinion about 
what Jim, James Bond should look like, should act, act like, I think that I can say for sure that Daniel Craig is my okay, favorite Bond. Interesting, interesting. Because I like that human side of him that can get hurt. He's blaming his fuck <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. And pretty much in Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace and a little bit of Skyfall, he's, he's hurt, you know. And you can relate to him a little better. And I think I, I like this in my Bond is that yeah. I can relate to him. He's more human. He can be hurt. Um, he, he has a sensible or a sensitive side to him. It's cool for the other guys that went before him. They're more indestructible. They're tough. They're joke around. They're, they're, they're not bleeding. They're... They're always flirting. It's it's fun, but I I do like James Bond that I can relate to as a young guy, as a human being. So for that reason, I'm gonna go with Daniel Craig. I think he did a good job on that front for for the past few movies. He's he's a character that we can relate to as young guys. You know, my as, mom will always say that I was named after Sean Connery, so I might be a little biased. But I've always enjoyed the Sean Connery, especially the early ones like Doctor No, Russia, Goldfinger. I've always enjoyed those ones quite a bit, so I feel like hitting the ground running with Connery, it's a, it's a good way to encompass Bond, but Craig is second place for me. It used to be Brosnan, but I would say... Craig, You're a 90s kid like me, so yeah, you exactly. like Brosnan. I, I, I really yeah. like Brosnan. Like, Brosnan and Craig are so close. I think yeah. just depending on my day, depending on my mood, they're interchange- interchangeable. Despite that, saying that those are my top three, I think Casino Royale is my favorite movie, which is interesting. Close, close by, yeah, which is number four on my yeah, list. Which is yeah. interesting to say because it's the the least James Bond, James Bond movie out there. Yeah, yeah, like there's no gadgets. No, the cheese factor is non-existent. Like the 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 Pierce Brosnan movies are really cheesy, like in a good way. Yeah, in, in a, a good way. In a good yeah. way. I, I mean that in, uh, as a term of endearment. But the, the Craig movies, especially Casino Royale, are so serious. But I love Casino Royale. It's such a good movie. It is. It like, is. It's, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, the yeah. poker scenes, the relationship with him and the Bond girl, Vesper. Eva Vesper Green's is character. the best Bond girl. I think so. She's close. Like, close. Okay, but, uh, I think Vesper is the most like humanized character. She's not just like eye candy. Yeah, I know. Sure. She's yeah. the most developed like human being. She has a mind of her own. She's yeah. got control over her own path. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, oh, Vesper Lynn's the best Bond girl. But who do you think is the best Bond girl? Uh, I have a lot of ideas in my mind. Uh, <laughs> I would I would like to go with like. Tracy and Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which is his wife, yeah, his only her. wife. Yeah, it ends tragically, but I mean, there's something so poetic and so human-like about that relationship that I really, especially like. coming after those Connery movies. People yeah, are like because the can, women can, with disposable pleasures, yeah. and then you arrive at. Can this you pass me something to wear? Yeah. And he hands her like the pair of shoes. Yeah, yeah, and then having him go to Lazenby, and he decides to marry the Bond girl, and his one Ooh. and only. Bond role. Yeah. It's quite the pivot coming from those Connery movies. And I think, rightfully so, audience was probably like, whoa. No. In 69, though, I don't know if they were because it, it, I wouldn't say it flopped in 69, but the audience box office was not that good. I don't think they were ready for it. Yeah. Much like um, uh, Dalton. I don't think the world was ready for Dalton at the time. True. Yeah. But I think think it was too serious of a, a Bond at the time. Because I think he he's almost like Daniel Craig. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's a, more of a brute. A, a blunt brute, instrument. Blunt as, instrument. Yeah, as, as M would uh, say. Yeah, he's a henchman. Basically. Yeah, as he's M would say. And I don't think people were ready for it at the time. Yeah, it's like License true. to Kill. And it's it's surprising to see how we've adapted throughout the decades to how we want our Bond to be. And now that Craig's going to wrap up with No Time to Die, the question is what, who will the next Bond be and how will he be betrayed considering the world we live in now like you you can't have the bond of the 1960s anymore no no you can't you can't and how post me too james bond it's still to be discovered yeah and how will bond look will will he be younger will he be older will he even be white these are all questions that are being asked right now by both fans and the good folks over at uh, broccolini and uh, albert broccoli yeah yeah and that is something that begs to be questions but will it happen will will they cave in is that something audiences want and that will that's something that the studio will say we should adapt to the times or should we respect ian fleming's source material and it's an interesting clash of ideas i think that's going on right now an interesting theory an for interesting another theory. time for, for sure when we're going to review no time to die but i do agree with what yeah it's saying. i think that our james bond needs to adapt to our times to yeah. a contemporary audience a younger audience because yeah if you have a misogynist james bond <laughs> out there from the 1960s like comparable to what uh, Sean Connery showed us in the 1960s is gonna is not gonna fly so yeah, high. So I felt expected to like a step back in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, like with the Monica Bellucci scene, like yeah. Oh, we just came from my husband's yeah. funeral. Yeah, and then I will hook up with. with uh, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. I felt like that was very uh, Roger Moore. Roger Moore like nine. Yeah. Yeah, Sean and it felt yeah. a little out of place. It did. It did. Yeah. Even if Monica Bellucci was supposed, uh, uh, she would she would have been like a perfect bond girl even before that i, I don't know why yeah, she, she was literally so there just to be eye candy yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is unlike really um yeah leo sidu yeah but yeah she's coming back in uh, no time yeah, which is, she's a more realized character as well and yeah it is the first bond girl to come well i think no, second, second bond girl to yeah. come back for a second time in the yeah. james bond movie first one was uh, the character the actress who played sylvia trench in the first two james bond movies yeah. but uh yeah we'll talk about that review and that movie when it comes out uh, it comes out which in, is uh, still a few months from now but we are very excited for it yeah, it's one of my most brother. anticipated movies of the year all right i'm glad yeah. to hear that, yeah. <laughs> that, that that's a sensitive part in my it, it's a close it's close to my heart yeah, that movie it's I, definitely i, like I think for the remainder of the year i'm most anxious for no time to die Top Gun, Maverick, and Dune. Okay, those are my like top three. I think they're all on like equal footing. I feel the need, Sean. The need, the need, the need for speed. speed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And uh, no, James Bond. I was going to tell the joke because you said that your 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 first name was inspired by Sean Connery. Yeah, so says my mom. So, so <laughs> I'm rolling with that. I can't like. I was gonna that. I was gonna throw you like a, a Sean Connery line from the the movie, the Michael Bay movie, The Rocks. Like, oh you're, man, you're the prom queen. <laughs> it was like <laughs> all losers always We're whine going. about their bashed. Yeah. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. <laughs> Best Michael Bay movie. Yeah. We had a debate before, yeah. but yeah, with an asterisk. Uh, yeah. Still, some other movies I like from him, but yes, we yeah. can say that it's his best movie. Definitely 
not his worst. <laughs> Definitely not his worst. So, what are we looking at for our next episode, my friend? What are, should we comment on? What's what's coming up next that well, we're missing out? I want you to read the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood book. Uh, I won't have the time to read it before our next episode, but I'll you rewatch the movie then. You'll rewatch the movie because yeah. I rewatched the movie recently and okay. it changed my outlook on the movie completely. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino yeah. for uh, those listening. So uh, We'll talk about that next time and I guess whatever's just happening in the world at yeah. the time. Like there's, yeah, you know, there's yeah, like, yeah, sure. there's almost a bunch of things happening in the world of movies and TV yeah, shows. Yeah, there's and, a lot of new shit on Netflix. I'll see what's interesting. I need to watch the Fear Street movies, so yeah. get around to watching that. And uh, gun, what's her, what's her name? Gun, gun Power Milkshake? Oh um, yeah, I gun, heard about that. I haven't, Gunpowder Milkshake, yeah, yeah. I haven't dived into it, but that's something I've seen a lot of my feed Action as well. film. Uh, yeah, so there's Netflix. a bunch of things we need to like analyze and get into, so... Yeah. Topics for a future problem. <laughs> a full plate for next episode. Full plate for next episode. For show. But this was nice. This was a nice uh, break. I mean, ice breaking episode for sure. Yeah. We talk a lot of a bunch of things about a core passions. James Bond for me. I mean, everything else for you. Me, yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> everything <laughs> else. The books that yeah. you read that I don't read. Yeah, I read like all the Star Wars books. I'm I'm there for it. <laughs> comics the books I'm, I'm all in yeah no for sure i'm watching I wanted... bad batch right now as well like <laughs> i'm in i'm invested dude i'm i'm i've started like a, a dan brown book i haven't finished it i started like a month back I'm, I'm a slow reader so for sure sean is the more like passionate about books and he's the more informed about what's coming in and what we need to look out for in terms of uh, movies and TVs. I mean, he's the real ultimate geek here. I'm trying to follow and I'm having a hard time. I will try to keep you well as knowledgeable and entertained and up to date as I am. Please do, brother. I will try my best. On that note, thanks so much. No problem. Thanks for having us. And that was a Whiskey in the Movie podcast, guys. Episode one. Episode one. And we'll meet again soon for episode two. If you have comments, if you have feedback for us, please let us know. Send us an email. Things you want us to comment on, we'll do do that shortly. So uh, keep keep it uh, keep it interesting keep it interesting as we say and ah, until next time until next time guys take care cheers cheers